Well, thank you. Thank you so much for... Everybody, welcome to Hey Arnold Hey. This is Adam Samaha, and with me, as always, is Corey Vaughn. Hello. Um, yeah. So today we will be tackling two episode, two new episodes, which I think would be number eight overall. And um, we just wanted you guys to know we thank you for listening, and for those that have rated and reviewed, that's very wonderful. And Corey now is going to do a little tutorial on how to rate and review yeah, our podcast. Every, everyone keeps when I when I tell friends who are listening, yeah, could you do this for us? They go, I don't know how. And I so I've shown some people how to do it, but I, I'm going to walk through it the best I can. Obviously, like a lot of you are listening through like other parties, uh, not iTunes. But I'm just going to tell you like how to do it on iTunes. Um, so when you open up your podcast app, which is a separate app on your phone. It's not the iTunes app or the music app. It's the podcast app. You open that up and you um, hit in the lower right hand corner. There's a search, a search button. Um, and you hit, you hit that. And then you just type in, Hey Arnold, Hey, and then there's going to be a bunch of um, podcast episodes, but then also just a podcast button itself for our podcast. You hit that. Um, and then Kind of near the top, there are three buttons, details, reviews, and related. If you hit re- reviews, there's a button, there's a link, a couple, like like a thumb, like two thumbs down that says write a review, and you hit that, and um, then it'll ask you to sign in to your account, and then you write a review, and that's how you do it, and it's, I hope that makes sense. Does that make sense, Adam? Could you picture that in your brain? It made sense to me, for sure, but I think those who use stupid Android phones, you guys are stuck we yeah can't help you out the best thing you could do is like go onto your computer and download itunes and do it that way it's a little more straightforward when you are using the itunes app on your computer i think on the phone because they separate it into so many different like so many different programs it makes it a little bit harder to find it but or just uh, take that phone you have throw it in the trash and go buy an iphone that's like right an adult and uh we are sponsored by apple so <laughs> maybe after that dumb <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't know if that helped at all. Uh, <laughs> what basically could you just rate and review? If you know how to do it, please do it. Um, if you don't, email us and we will email you back a detailed description of how to do it. Um, yeah, and like one other thing, just make sure to watch the episode before you listen to us. Um, they're called Mugged and Reffing It. Um, yeah, just watch the episode first and then listen to us talk about it. Pause, pause your podcast, go on Hulu plus or YouTube or your whatever streaming thing you can find handled on and uh, watch it. Ask your good friend for their password. Like yeah, we did. Like we did. Exactly. Thanks Tom. Yeah. Thank you, Thomas. Um, anything else? I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah. Emily Okada does our design. Um, thanks to Joel Hassemeyer and the band, my double, my brother for letting us use their mics. Ooh. It's been very helpful uh, for this these last several episodes. Um, I think he doesn't know this, but he gave them to us. We, we've yeah, had we, them we, for a very long time yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. Um, cool. Well, Mugged is an episode of Hey Arnold that we're going to talk about right now. Yes, it is. Uh, I guess I'll go through a quick... But 
Adam, great job introducing. Oh, well, thank you. You you did it. It was great. I'm really coming into my own. Yeah. You got your own voice? Yep. I do. Oh, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, you're not my voice. I don't just sound like you. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I'll walk through Mug really quick. Just a quick uh, quick summary. Um, so Arnold is bebopping to his uh, like awesome Walkman, which definitely dates the uh, the show in the... Mm-hmm. Mid- squarely in the mid 90s yeah um he's on the bus he leaves the bus he's still listening and then this like tall guy with yellow eyes uh yellow and red eyes yeah I think they're like kind of scary they're scary yeah definitely yeah. he looks like he's on drugs and he has what is that disease where your eyes go yellow jaundice jaundice yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a condition yeah, he has jaundice yeah Poor um guy. so he like grabs arnold pulls him into an alley like roughs him up a little bit steals his bus pass kind of humiliates him too like and and you know Arnold is so soft like here here's the money like he does, he 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 knows what to do he knows not to fight back mm-hmm. not to um but yeah Arnold's shaken up by it and he you know cuts to a scene with uh, Arnold and his grandpa and Mr. Wynn and um grandpa's like ah so he beat you up see hmm and like it kind of just is nailing in the fact that like Arnold was humiliated and beaten up and then grandma walks in as a cowboy mm-hmm. uh and then very quickly cow lady i'm sorry thank you yeah cow girl cow girl well Well, she's an older lady yeah cow woman cow woman yeah i don't like that (laughs) um sorry for derailing that continue yeah uh so she likes kind of sees what happens and says oh i got plans for arnold and then like all of a sudden she's master sensei Mm -hmm. mrs sensei mrs sensei well master it has no it doesn't need gender yeah Yeah, no, no gender um, and she decides to teach Arnold the art of self-defense in a, you know, very um, similar to karate or jujitsu or whatever. It's self, self, martial arts, self-defense. That's the word, <laughs> martial art. Thank you. Um, and she, uh, like, brings him into this meditation room and tells him, you must be like the frog in the pond. Don't mm-hmm. don't look for the fly. Let the fly come to you. And then there's this montage of... Um, her training Arnold, uh, the art of, you know, these, this martial art. And it's like spliced with like Arnold karate chopping in the air. Very mm-hmm. like PTSD kind of mm-hmm. style. Um, and then, uh, it kind of cuts. Uh, Wait, PTSD. I think it does. Yeah. A little bit. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, it feels like that a little bit. Oh, do you think that's a jump? I don't know. I don't <laughs> 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 it took me a second to realize what you said, but we'll just brush that under the rug and we'll continue on going on forward. <laughs> well, okay, so it's like Monta, it's like weird because it's like this like very peaceful, calming, uh-huh. you know, like violin and like mm-hmm. like wind chimes of them like learning how to do like you know stand on one foot and like meditate and like mm-hmm. chop wood, but spliced in between that is like it's like erratic and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like it, it's only it's it's almost a. Uh, Oh, you're thinking of like when someone has like a flashback to like wartime? Yes. Oh, okay, yes, okay. I see. Yes. So it's like, yeah, sharp and erratic and yeah. sort of scary. And it, it's it. almost like sub, um, what's it called when uh, it's almost subliminal. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's so quick, but it is there. Um, and we can talk about that. I mean, I think we could expand on that for sure. Anyway, so he, uh, you know, finishes his training um, and is talking with Gerald about it. And uh, then the two of them like, walk through this alley and they see Eugene and Brainy getting um, basically mugged. Yeah. It, 
What are, what are the two foods that he has that Eugene has in a bag? Oh, he has some uh, sort of pastries. I forget yeah, what they it's, are. Um, mac- Scones, macaroons. Ma- macaroons and mal. What are they? I don't know what the other Mal-mars? one is. Malmars. Yeah, yeah. We should have looked Mal- that up. Mal-mars. We have the internet. Continue. Yeah. I'm going to look it up. Um, and uh, Arnold protects them and uh, like basically karate chops these dudes and makes noises that sound like shotguns. And then Gerald says this like really loaded phrase, oh, your hands and feet are lethal weapons. Uh, be careful with that. And then um, Arnold goes off and kind of like starts changing into this really like angry, like uh, angry, large and in charge karate master. Um, he's like kind of becoming the bully, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's even a part where uh, like the cli- the climax is he's walking with Gerald. Gerald says, hey, man, you've changed. And I was like, "Nah, man, I'm totally fine. I'm still the same Arnold I've always been. Gerald's like, okay, just chill out with the karate stuff. You don't need to like always be Bruce Lee is I think what he, something, mm-hmm. something along those lines. And Arnold kind of walks off on his own. And this guy approaches him, this large, like oafish looking man approaches him and says, Oh, uh, Hey you. And then before he could finish his sentence, Arnold like karate chops the heck out of him. And then like rips apart his clothes just from like three karate chops and it turns out the guy was just asking what time it was. And so Arnold is like thrown into this like like uh, waterfall of shame. All these people are like, what are you doing, you bully? What are you doing doing the, you know, that guy was just asking what time it was. There's like a, like a mob of people surrounding Everybody him. Everybody turns on him. Yeah. And so like in, the, and in that moment, he's like running by himself, still wearing the karate stuff. And then he runs into this wall in an alley and he looks at his shadow. And the shadow becomes the shadow of the guy who first bullied him. Um, or the guy who mugged him really. Um, and you know, Arnold like leans back in fear and then runs the opposite direction into the, into a bus where his grandma is. And he kind of processes like what he's learned with his grandma. And he says, I don't want to, I don't want to fight anymore. Like this is, this is stupid. I'm done. And then grandma says, Oh, your training's complete. You now understand what it means to be the frog in the pond. And, as he kind of understands, oh, I think I, I think I get what you're saying. The the guy who mugged him comes on the bus and he gets the opportunity to uh, confront him without confronting him. But show um, all he's learned. Sh- yeah, exactly. And stand up for himself. Yeah, stand up for himself without without like intense violence. Because mm-hmm. all he does is he just steals the bus pass out of the guy's hand. But he does it so fast that the guy is like freaked out. Mm-hmm. He knows um, he's not dealing with the same kid anymore. Yeah, yeah. And so he gives him his bus pass back, gives him the money back with interest. <laughs> and that's it. And grandma has like some great lines in that last moment. My favorite, my favorite thing she says is sticks and stones may break my bones, but words are, are... brittle wind chimes in the wind or <laughs> yeah. something like that. <laughs> or but Br- brittle wind chimes in the wind. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, yeah. So that's smugged. Um, and there are like some obvious tropes here, I think. I don't know. What did you, what did you pull from it? Well, the first one, which I think we talked about this before, um, with great power comes great responsibility, which right. I think is like a Spider-Man thing. Yeah, but yeah. I like looked up on this wonderful website called Quote Investigator, mm-hmm. like where the origins of that came from. And there is a part of, uh, during the French Revolution, there is a decree made by the, by the French National Convention. And the line translates from French to English as, they must consider that great responsibility falls, follows inseparably from great power. Yeah. And that's supposedly like the first time that phrase was used like that and it's been written down. And then it was popularized later on by many politicians 
as well as superheroes. Superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, they don't say that in this episode, but that basically that's like the, the like the feeling the major you get. Yeah. theme is, you know, just be, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should at, like at all times. Like yeah, and that just because just because you hold something and or you have some sort of power means that you are forced to like look at it from all angles, which I think is part of his training, mm. which is that it's just, it's not that you can just go out willy nilly and like karate chop everybody. <laughs> you need to really think about what you're doing before you do it. Yeah. And that there are repercussions for your actions, which yeah. uh, Arnold learns later on and he makes him a more well-rounded. Yeah. He learns kid. in a hard way too. Cause he like, well, what it leads into is that he's becoming the bully that he yeah. was afraid of. Um, and that, and that is learning the hard way. Like he thinks that he's protecting himself, but instead he, he shames this guy who's just asking what time it is. Mm-hmm. And in that ends up shaming himself mm-hmm. because he over, he overreacts to like nothing. Like he, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think he, I think the reason I brought up the like PTSD is that he's so like hell bent on not letting that happen again. Yeah. He like. That's a, that's a crazy response to a guy just saying, "Hey, you," like, I don't know. Like, that that is how people with PTSD respond to things. Like, right? Yeah. Like, like they'll be driving, someone will honk, and then they'll black out. This is from a movie, I think. They can't place <laughs> in my head. And he just like ends up ripping the guy out of the car and like punches him. And it's because you go into this like this fight or flight thing, and yeah. for no reason, you know what I mean, other than it, like. It situations you lived through thing, previously yeah. yeah yeah that are not like where you are now currently well and i think i think when you go through like a traumatic experience even if it's not something so intense that's going to cause like intense psychological damage mm-hmm. even if it's just a basic shame thing or a basic fear like oh now i'm afraid to go in in the alley by myself like even yeah. something as basic as that you're going to do everything you can especially if you find that power yeah. to not do that thing and i think i think like you know, comedians probably deal with that. Like if so, you know, the class clown at first is the class clown to like deflect bullies. But then you perfect it and make it a career. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But I I said deflect or perfect. I meant to say perfect. Oh, you said perfect. Okay. I was thinking though, more like uh, sometimes the kids who are the class clowns end up kind of being bullies too, because they they figure out how to cut deep Mm -hmm. with their words, you know, instead of with a sword. Because words are a weapon. They were, they are a weapon. Yeah. And speaking of weapons, that actually segues nicely. Another thing that I think <laughs> plays into that into this episode is um, the idea of guns and like gun violence and gun control and those sorts of things. Yeah. And there's a few scenes where this is not just me reaching. Like there's yeah, yeah. there's a few scenes where when he's using his hands, which um, Gerald calls them, uh, he calls lethal them lethal weapons. weapons. Yeah. And when he uses them to cut the toothpicks, the tips off the toothpicks, it doesn't use the animators. They didn't use like this sound that would nor- you would normally associate would be with like, like a swiping, which is like, whoosh. yeah, yeah like, it, it sounds like a gunshot in a city setting with like the, the, um, sort of rever- reverberations of the sound coming yeah. off of the walls as well. So it's, and it sounds just like a gunshot. And you realize, I think, uh, beneath the sort of obvious stuff in the episode, that that's sort of what they're ta- they're they're talking about. Because there is great power with a firearm, obviously. Yes, yes. And you yeah. should be responsible with them. Yeah. And yet, there's many situations, whether it's uh, civilians that have guns, where you know people shoot people they don't mean to shoot because yeah. they're messing with a the gun they don't know how to use, or it's police officers shooting people that are unarmed, um, and various things like that. And being that it is the start of a new year, 2016, uh-huh. and uh, California's got a little rain right now, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. and I hope you can't hear that in the background, yeah, yeah. but I thought I'd throw it out there. Um, 
I was looking, I was interested in the idea of gun control because that's like a, an issue that everyone's sort of t- talking about right now, but yeah, not doing yeah. anything about. Yeah. And, um, but the number of deaths related to guns in 2015 alone were 13,341. Dang. The number of injuries was 26,922. If you combine those two numbers with a little bit of simple math, it's 40,000 deaths or injuries, which is really, really, really crazy. And yeah. then on top of that, you talk about mass shootings, which the definition of a mass shooting, according to this website that I was looking at, um, is four or more shots and um, four or more people shot and or killed in a single event uh, at the same general time and location, not including the shooter. And there was 330 of those mass shooting Mm -hmm, incidences mm -hmm. in 2015 alone and that's sort of terrifying and i think a lot of it goes into this is sort of touched on this episode where there are people that have firearms because they're nervous about i don't know where they live or they have them for self-defense or they have them for hunting but it you don't sort of realize that once you have opened a door like yeah. so much can yeah. come out of it. So it's if you have a weapon just for hunting, but something does sort of freak you out in the middle of the night, you could you're going to reach for that gun. Yeah. And you didn't plan for having to think about this. Yeah. So yeah. you go into that sort of fight or flight thing and you things can often or sometimes happen. Well, it's interesting because the way that uh, a little bit of how it's argued in this um, episode is like like grandpa saying, oh, he needs to learn some self-defense. And that that's what. That's what martial arts like, and that that's what Grandma's gently teaching Arnold is. Uh, karate is self defense. It's not mm-hmm. something you go out and use to attack. And so when someone when someone says like, "Oh, I only have a gun for self defense," it's like, "Yeah, I get that. I think that's like a viable option, especially if it's if you've been trained and you're going through the proper channels, et cetera, et cetera." Um, but like, just like Arnold, act- well, that situation's true until it isn't. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So it is yeah. for it's you can use it defensively until you use it as an offensive. Right. Weapon. Right. Which Arnold did. Like he, he had did, no... and he didn't intend to. Like he didn't right, realize right. at the time that's what was happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think I I just think it it isn't a stretch, um, but, and it's a little different because karate isn't the same kind of lethality as like actual weapons, but um, it's still a. Like, I think it's a reference point to, like, what it means to, like, what self-defense versus, like, an attacking spirit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember uh, I watched a long t- a couple of years ago in the sociology class. It was talking about the origin of the Crips and the Bloods. And it talked about how, at the beginning, they were just normal gangs, essentially, that came out of the Black Panthers and various other groups mm-hmm. like that that were dissolved, um, thanks to the CIA. Um, and... <laughs> just dropping that tidbit of information thanks CIA. it's available it's available on the internet yeah. um, oh so that information everything's true on the yeah. internet too, so. <laughs> no it's historically accurate as well yeah so <laughs> moving on past that little tidbit but is that that the gangs though the bloods and the crips became very very lethal and problematic once they started to get a lot of money and then they started to get a lot of weapons and guns mm. because there were weapons and guns before but not to the degree that um, they were initially there was there was initially, and a lot of this came from weapons that they got from Latin American sources and blah blah blah, where they got their cocaine and drugs from. But beyond that, it's the idea that when you have that sort of immense power that like automatic weapons have, disputes are no longer disputes. 
it becomes murder at that point mm-hmm. because it's so easy because if you're thinking about it, like if, if I'm, if you're in a dispute, it's, I, I don't know how this is going to escalate or if it's going to escalate, but I'm going to be the one that's going to, that is going to come out on top. Mm. So yeah, you could use a knife or you could use your fists like Arnold would have used his fists. Yeah. But at the same time, why would you take that risk when the other person could potentially have something greater like a gun? Yeah. 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 And I think that's where it becomes a self-preservation thing. Mm. And for Arnold, it was a self-preservation thing. He Mm. didn't want to be mugged because he didn't know what would happen the next time he got mugged. Like that guy was crazy and just stole his bus pass and some change, but you never know what that next situation well, is going to be. And that guy specifically says, watch your attitude next time. Yeah, exactly. So it's saying next time he comes, it's going to be worse. Yeah. And so it does make sense that Arnold would respond in this sort of over the top way because he's just looking out for number one, which is Arnold. <laughs> looking out for number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is a difference between like it, between self-preservation and, um, Self-defense. Those yeah. are two different things. They are different, but they seem they're very similar. similar. They're related. For yeah, sure. they're related, but they are very different. Yeah, yeah I like how how um, calm Grandma is when they're in the bus. Like she she first kind of says, you know, what have you learned, and then t- brings up the be like the toad and the or the frog in the pond, and then kind of like teaches him in that moment verbally. And then when the when the guy comes into the bus, she then shows shows it too with her actions by saying, yeah, it's just a purse. You can have my mm-hmm. purse. It's not a big deal. Well, she's so Zen. It's so zen. worldly possessions who needs them. Yeah. That room is fantastic. Like her and, Zen room. Yeah. yeah. Once again, another secret room in, yeah. you know, in this show that no one's seen. She has to unlock it. And inside is like, she, she brings the, where's the two lines that reference this would be like, sorry, where? Oh yeah. She, she says like, look for relaxed alertness, mm-hmm. which is, the most zen thing you can say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is chill, my son. <laughs> when he comes into the bus, <laughs> like I, th- I just wonder, Grandma. Even though she seems zany, I think she's actually one of the more lucid characters in this show because she yeah. she knows exactly what she wants and how she wants to do it. Well, I think she reveals throughout every episode that there is a crazy story behind her life mm, mm. and i think at random moments where she seems really crazy and zany it's like calling back to this time at another yeah, point in her life yeah, yeah and you as the viewer get to see that sort of yeah and i think the reason that she's such a good mentor figure in this show even though she's like very crazy <clears throat> um is she wears different hats for the thing needed yeah so, like no, she's and very I, flexible she she literally it's a it's a literal um, representation, but she actually wears different hats. Like when she yeah. hel- helps Arnold steal the turtle, she puts on like mm. like the the uh, robber, you know, the hoodie. Yeah, right? she's like getting into character, and she wears like a cowboy hat when when she's like, you know, raising Arnold as like a, a not a cowboy, but like um like a young man with responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next moment, she's like, okay, fine, it's time to be Zen. I'm gonna be Zen. I'm gonna wear this. Uh, uh, she wears like a bandana or whatever around her mm-hmm. head. Um, and that's that's cool. She's like a very diverse, multi hat um, wearing. <laughs> wearing mentor, um, and she and she's gentle too. She's not bullish about what Arnold should and shouldn't do. It's very like what uh, I don't remember what he said, but he said like I'm I'm angry about what's happened. And she goes, "What do you mean?" Like just like asking him. Let's hear what you have to say about this. Mm-hmm. And then he says another thing and she goes, well, what do you mean about that? She wants him to come to the realizations mm-hmm. on his own, yeah. which is what a good teacher does. It like awakens yeah. something within you and isn't just like, no, this is how it should be. Yeah. And I think this is definitely about education because he, yeah. there's a line, maybe like a third or two thirds of the way through where Gerald's like, how'd you become, how'd you become Bruce Lee? 
And Arnold says, I don't know. My grandma just kept saying, be as a frog in a pond. And um, all of a sudden I was karate chopping things. <laughs> and that's, that's a disconnect between what you've learned and how you've learned it. Um, yeah, he's learned how to karate chop, but how did that happen? Mm-hmm. And it, it, he actually hasn't learned it yet, not until he has failed. And that's kind of cool too, even though it's maybe that's not the best education for gun for like guns, yeah. <laughs> but but for karate, that's great. Like, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna go too far sometime, and you're gonna realize what self defense actually means. And yeah, tying back to that that PTSD thing you said, which I didn't think we could go back to so much, yeah, but yeah. it's actually it was actually a good point. That that scene where he's in the alleyway and he comes to the realization of what he has become, which is a monster, mm. and he sees in his shadow that it is a monstrous figure mm-hmm. and no longer just that giant weird head that he has. <laughs> um, it's it, yeah, it's like he's seen a part of himself that he didn't know existed. Yeah, and yeah. now he understands himself more and what he is capable of. And I think a lot of people, veterans that come back have gone through that same exact thing because oh, it's good. we're so like the, our society is very docile, relatively speaking, and there is violence and all those sorts of things, but it doesn't come close to what wartime is like. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, you're like, you're, yeah, you're realizing something about yourself that you, we keep very hidden and buried, mm. but it, it shows itself and we don't know how to grapple with that and figure, figure out what yeah. to do with that. Yeah. And if you combine that, with or compound that with actually saying committing a murder over mm. during wartime that's just another thing to deal with mm. but it is sort of the same thing that he is dealing with where there, he didn't realize that he seems very mild-mannered and docile as mm-hmm. a person and as a char- char- uh, character but he realized to himself that given the circumstances like he can He's, rise yes. to them and maybe even go too far yeah and yeah potentially be violent which i think everyone Maybe at random points in their life recognizes that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some people grab a hold of it and become it and use it day to day. And others like kind of bury it back down mm-hmm, and realize mm-hmm. like that's not how it should be. Like the guy at the bar that doesn't get into the fight and the guy at the bar that does get into yeah, the fight. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. most of the time you don't need to fight at a bar, but some asshole will try. Every he's time. the one who like yeah. sees that himself and loves it and relishes it. Yeah, yeah. Realizes he's a fighter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's like a much used, um, literary device or like film device with like the shadow self. But I think it works here because um, he, he's grappling with like, like what he's become and what he's become is the thing that he is afraid of most, which is mm-hmm. running into that guy who mugged him. Right. Mm-hmm. And that shadow is the same shadow from that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's a good, it's a good moment. Um, and I want to sh- talk about the shout out to taxi driver which oh, is yeah, the yeah. movie with Robert De Niro directed by Scorsese. Um, I haven't seen it, but I like, it's such an iconic scene with him looking in the mirror saying, you talking to me, you yeah. talking to me. And that scene is almost, almost word for word referenced in, in this. Yeah. Um, and there's a little gag of grandpa going, no, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> and then he says the the next line from that line, which is there's no one else here. You're talking to me. Or yeah. whatever, whatever the line yeah, is. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know. You've seen it, right? Yeah. So maybe you could add, like, fluff this up a little bit. But I know that that scene happens after he, um, like, buys guns to. I don't even. What is he shooting? He, so it 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 becomes like a vigilante thing, and I think what you what you see in that film, which is not to go too much into this, but what you see in that film is. You have a guy that is the, at that moment in history, like the majority, which he is like a white male. Yeah. But he sees in his mind the rest of the world crumbling around him and it is immoral and there is all these things going on and he doesn't know how to come to terms with it. Mm. 
But and because of that, he kind of snaps and freaks out. Right. But I think, and he's what, a veteran too, right? He, yes, he was. But I think he was. I watched this movie a while ago. But what what's the parallels with that movie and this episode actually are pretty great, which is that he because he has taken on this idea of how the world is and he views it as a vile, awful place. Every situation he engages with where he tries to approach this woman because he's in love with her and she denies him sets him off so much because it validates the way he feels about the world, mm. which is everybody's in it for themselves. And in, in, in the episode of Hey Arnold, it happens the same way. He comes around the corner and he sees that doofus that is just asking him for the time, but he freaks out and chop, cry, chops him until his clothes all fall yeah. off. And it's the same thing where in that moment he reads that situation as um, – being like a violent, potentially violent situation, and he needs to respond, you know, mm -hmm. that way. And Robert De Niro in that movie, he's doing that the entire movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there are some scenes that are not so great that happen in that movie, so it, it kind of makes sense where he's coming from. But the same thing happens in this show. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. did get mugged. Yes, that's a yes. freaking bummer, and yeah. it could happen again. Well, um, so it's not like completely off base. Yeah, but he takes it to this insane extreme, which yes, Robert De Niro yes. in that movie does as well. Yeah, yeah. And I was reading like just seeing like what different. Um, uh, like uh, cr cr uh, critics sa have said about that line and like that scene with the mirror. And uh, I read that Roger Ebert, Roger Ebert basically said that's, that's the moment where what he thinks, what he thinks is heroic, what he thinks is a vigilante thing, what he mm -hmm. thinks is uh, a protagonist type of thing. Like, look at me, I'm the hero that starts a, a shift where he's no longer the hero. He's the, he's, he's the, the villain. He's the villain. He's the antagonist. And it's, yeah. And it, and it happens that we were talking about before is, is because in that movie, especially is because of isolation. Right. Right. Um, but that doesn't really have as much to do with Harold. No. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but Arnold does become the villain. That's the, yeah, that's the, the similar, because yeah, there's fine. even a moment where he saves Eugene and Brainy. And then the mm -hmm. next scene, he pushes Eugene into a locker. Like, a yeah, bully. like, you just saved him from other bullies. Mm -hmm. And now then you, that's, yeah. like, and that's, you know, I mean, I, one of my favorite movies is The Dark Knight. And there's the part where um, Harvey Dent says it to uh, either, I think to, I think to Bruce Wayne or, or to maybe, maybe Batman. I don't know. But he says you either die, you either die the hero or live long enough to become the villain. And that's yeah. an eat like a much quoted line from that movie. But I think it definitely fits here that mm -hmm. like, Either Arnold's going to defend those who should be defended or he's going to become the villain. Yeah. And at this point, he's becoming the villain. Mm -hmm. um, he's drunk he, on power. What's that? He's drunk on power. Drunk on power. Yeah. Lethal lethal weapon, a.k.a. his yeah. fists. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I think that's... I yeah. Think that's basically... I think it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a good episode with that's less about him not getting mugged and more about him coming to terms with what power... What power really does to a person? Yeah, what it feels like and what you do with it. He even called. Yeah, he calls it a power trip. Yeah, a, it was just a power trip. It's a good episode. And then the second one is. Yeah, it's roughing it. Um, do you want me to? Do you want to go through it? Or do you want? Yeah, I'll go through it really quick. Yeah. So this one is a just a story about camping essentially, um, and so the grandpa and Gerald and Arnold are all going camping, and they're in the mountains and. Uh, this is sort of where grandpa shines a lot of times is where it's very like he finds himself in very like classically American mm -hmm. situations. And he, that's sort of his role in the show, it seems up to this point, at least. And so he's teaching Gerald and Arnold how to camp, essentially. Yeah. And it kind of sucks, too. It kind of sucks. It's yeah. And there's a scene where he says, like, what is camping without being dirty and hungry and tired? Or yeah, whatever. yeah. And, and, and 
fun. What do you think we are, camping? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so they want to go on hikes, but they have to set up the base camp and blah, 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 blah. And then out of nowhere comes this giant RV, and it tr- like completely destroys, tramples a tree. And out comes uh, Helga and her father and Phoebe. Mm-hmm. And they have all the craziest camping gear. And it, you're not really sure if, if he's testing it out for because he's invented these things or he's worked for this company or something. But there's some sort of motive yeah. Yeah, that, that, that uh, Helga's dad has to these devices that he keeps using. So they end up going on a hike. And um, they, the boys are very, very jealous of all of the camping gear they have because it looks like luxury that they're used to sort of at home. Yeah. But even more extreme. And that's what they were longing for. They want to leave because they're so unhappy with grandpa's farting and the bad food and all the stuff that naturally comes to camping that yeah, makes yeah, it fun, yeah. you know? Um, and so they all end up going hiking and the grandpa stays back at the, at the campsite. And now all, everybody is with Helga's dad, Phoebe, Helga, and the boys. And they're lugging up all this crazy camping gear that one by one just starts to break essentially, and becomes dead weight. So the fa- the father, uh, Helga's dad, ends up throwing all of the stuff off the side of a mountain. Yeah. And there was one moment where once they get to the peak of where they're hiking to, he pulls out a Polaroid camera, and he takes a shot of the landscape, and he goes, oh, isn't nature beautiful? And then immediately turns around and looks at his picture and walks back down like that yeah. was it. Like all he needed it for was the picture, which I think is hilarious because yeah. we live so heavily in a time like yep, this. Yep, thanks yep. to Instagram and uh, social media and stuff where it's like, are you doing that because you really enjoy what you're doing or cause you want a freaking picture? Yeah. Yeah. And some yeah. people it's both, you know? Yeah. So, but I, yeah, I'm not going to get into a rant about that, but, but we can though. Let's well, do yeah, it. We, yeah. Maybe we should in a minute, but I'll hold off. Um, so then they, once all of the devices have failed them, they had a GPS sort of deal, like a very primitive one. That's like the size of, I don't know, like a desktop computer yeah. from the nineties yeah. <laughs> and they're carrying it around and they're completely lost. But then, um, Arnold and Gerald have realized or remembered that the grandpa taught them how to make do and track. Yeah. In nature without all that sort of stuff. So they're looking at like which way the moss is growing and they ended up um, directing them home based off of the old fashioned techniques grandpa taught them. And so that's sort of the end of that episode. It's essentially just a a story about camping and technology and those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, it, uh, well, I was just gonna say it's also some. There's some character development between Arnold and her, yeah. or Helga and her father. Um, there's some character development between Arnold and Grandpa. Yeah, um, those are more subtext that are more like long term conversations about the show that I think yeah. are good too. But but you're right. I think that the main theme of this episode is is well, I don't know if you even said it, but basically like technology versus yeah, um, not versus nature, but how do technology and nature get along and definitely. Con- you know, conflict with each other too. And throughout the episode, you see how uh, Helga's father treats her. Mm-hmm. Like she call or he calls her the wrong name that ends up being her bigger older sister's yeah, name. Which yeah. You don't realize that at the time. Corey knows that because he's watched the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so yeah, you see that sort of dynamic and that he's very interested more in whatever his business thing he has oh, going he's on. So than, self-serving. Yeah. Then spending time with uh, his daughter. Yeah. And, and also that stuff, like the first time you're introduced to Helga's mom, she's ignoring her making a Bloody Mary during the yeah. m- middle of the day or the morning. Yeah. And then when you're introduced to the dad, it's like this very self-serving weird camping trip that they go on where he basically yeah. ignores her the whole time. Um, so it kind of makes sense, like the reason she is or the way she is. I, yeah. I mean, it starts – anytime you meet her family, it starts opening up. Like, oh, I think I understand why Helga's the way she is. She's yearning for attention. Yeah. She 
doesn't know how to care for others because she wasn't cared for. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't know how to be honest about her feelings because her parents definitely aren't encouraging that. Yeah. Um, so it, it, I, I think this is a really good like introduction to Bob, to her dad, because it paints a really, it's very detailed for like his personality and what his motives actually are. It's not, cause I think when you first see her, her mother, it's, it's like really quick and kind of vague about who, like who mm-hmm. her mother really is. And this, you get a really good picture of who her dad is. Yeah. Which is cool. I like, it's good, good character development. Yeah. And going on, on the idea of how technology and nature yeah, sure. intersect, um, there, there, so part of what, when you look at like a goal from a global perspective, what separates like the global North from the global South, which is like first world countries and third world countries sure. is the, and this, a lot of people probably already know this, but it's important for the story in my mind. Um, is that the res- like the third world is very, very resource heavy. And because of that, it often gets exploited for those resources. Sure. And it never gets developed to the degree of the first world because it's not beneficial to those who make money. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because you don't want those people to take ownership over their own resources mm-hmm. and kick all of those people out. So, but then the beneficiaries of that is the first world. And in this episode, and you get, you know, progress, technological advances, better health care, all these sorts. There's good things and bad things that come right, along with right. that sort of progress in the first world. But in this episode, you see that he is involved in some sort of camping equipment thing, sales or something. Yeah. And he's testing out this gear. But one by one, as these things start to break down on the hike, he says, oh, this is a piece of junk. And then throws it off into nature like it's just yeah, the nature yeah. is like a giant trash can. Yeah. 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 Oh, totally. It's a, it's a quick gag. Yeah, but it, it's very loaded. Yes. And especially because you realize he's there to test out this gear, which he thinks is interesting and awesome, but he is really, really oblivious to the importance of the environment yeah. that he's trying to make money off of, essentially. Yes, yes. Well, and he even says, like, oh, this piece of junk, I'll sell millions. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not like he's concerned about the people that are buying it or the environment that is that thing is supposed to be used in yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. He's wanting to... He's exploiting the environment to sell more stuff. Like, exactly. Oh, these hiking idiots will buy all my stuff. Great. Yeah. Which, even even in the '90s when that kind of stuff, stuff, stuff was at its height, um, I don't think it feels like it's a little bit of a caricature of of hiking gear. But no one's gonna buy a giant refrigerator to hike with. No, no one's gonna buy no. like like even back then like that big GPS thing yeah. that's not hiking gear or like the yeah. the mister on the head. It's definitely a caricature of how uh, they're like. Um, I and I think this is even connected to now that there are two types of people that hike, and that's a little bit connected to the social media thing you're talking about. There's hiking as style and culture, yeah. and then there's hiking as like, oh, I really like to hike, and I I know how to backpack, and I've taken mm-hmm. classes, and I like, you know, I like. A lot of my vacation time goes to that. Those are two different types of people. Yeah. One are the people who shop at REI and know what they're shopping for. Mm-hmm. And the other is more of a culture like, oh, this is this will keep my beer cold longer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. this will this is gonna help me like do a pour over coffee when I'm backpacking. Yeah. It, you know, uh, like this Patagonia jacket isn't just functional, more so it looks great, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so there is a little bit of that, and I think this is even a caricature of hiking culture versus actually someone who hikes because yeah. hiking culture they're gonna say dang look at this like crazy gps watch i can also watch tv when i'm while i'm in the forest um yeah that's something that like the hiking culture person would buy an actual hiker would not buy that yeah and i think it, it the the degree of separation between 
I don't know, my previous example, like the capitalist that's making money off camping gear. Right. And then the person that is using that camping gear as like social capital. Right. right. Is not yes. that different. Yes. Yeah. Social it's capital, like, right. I, yeah, I need like this thing because mm-hmm. it looks so cool. And when I walk down the street in Brooklyn, everybody knows, you know, that yep. maybe I'll go outdoors at some yeah, point. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't just sit at home. So and, I, have a, I have a backpack from, I'm not going to even say the brand because it's going to sound like I'm talking bad on it. And I, I'm not, I really love the backpack. I think it looks great. I think it looks great. But I've been toying to figure out a way to take it backpacking and it won't work. It won't, but well, it's like specifically yeah. it's, it's an outdoor company and yeah. I spent a decent amount of money on it. And it's not like a, it's not something I would do high end hiking, uh, uh, backpacking in, but even like I've tried to do some like more lower end hiking, like just day hiking and it's pretty rough. It's not yeah. great. And that's, so really I got it for that social capital that, um, yeah. like, Look at me! I'm wearing this like hip backpack. Yeah, uh, that's very, very awesome of you to admit that because I feel like everybody does that no matter what they right, say. Right, right. But to say it out loud is really fantastic. Well, I thought it was both. I was hoping it was both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that's and, the perfect yeah. purchase. Yes, yes. And I think, I think even the company that I bought it from has some that are both. Yeah. And I think that like Herschel or like um, what are some other ones that have like both? Like uh, REI, even like there are plenty of backpacks that have both style and comfort at the yeah. same time. Um, but most of the time they just end up, I think, I think the cheaper they are, the more likely it's just for style and not yeah, for yeah. like the comfort and the, and the practical use. Yeah. And, and the other thing I thought of, and I just thought of it right now is when I was in college, I took a backpacking class, which was the greatest PE credit you could possibly get. <laughs> um, we met for like eight, like six weeks. And then the seventh or eighth week we went backpacking in Joshua tree for a night. Um, and, uh, you know, it, like it's an easy hike. It, you hike like it's all flat. Um, but it was during the winter, so it was really cold. So we had to like get in these tight, like tight quarters to like stay warm. Um, and I remember hearing it from a tent, like 10 feet away, like lasers, like pew, 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 pew. And I realized that, that these two guys were watching Star Wars on their phone. This is like when yeah. the first iPhone came out, they downloaded the first Star Wars and watched it in Joshua Tree. Like, yeah, that's insane. And, and it ruined the, like the quietness of the, yeah. like, cause you just hear like, you know, Darth Vader breathing heavily and like, <laughs> like Chewbacca growling. I guess those are kind of nature nature sounds anyway, but it, yeah, no, I, I get the but, point, but that's, that's the, like the type of person that would watch star Wars on their phone in nature, which might even be me if I'm honest. Yeah. But the type of person who would do that would buy this garbage that he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That definitely he's, like thrown out there. And I think that what the grandfather in the episode shows that you don't need to overcomplicate these things. And the more you overcomplicate them, the more you miss the essence of why you're doing what yes, you're doing. Yeah. And so the, although nobody likes being super, super hungry and tired, which is something he was, yeah. you know, advocating at the beginning of the yeah. episode, there is like a nice, like medium, you know, middle yes, ground. Yes. And, um, did you, did you go camping much as a kid? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. My family grew up doing tent camping and um, something I thought of like when he talked about being dirty and gross, like that's part of camping. Hello. Yeah. Is uh, there was one time my uncle, my uncle Mike called dinner grub and his son or daughter was like, dad, what's grub? And he goes, grub is what you eat outside. <laughs> and, and that, that is like that same line. Like, yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be gross and dirty. Yeah. That's why we're eating grub, man. Yeah, we're outside. Yeah. We're eating grub. That's so funny. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, without getting too much into all of that sort of uh, outdoors culture and stuff like that, it, it, it to some degree makes sense. And 
to say that you're not going like you're going to buy this thing because you think that it has some sort of like value that transcends mm-hmm. all of those being cool things. Yeah, yeah. Like makes you an asshole for saying that because everybody buys it things because they think it makes them look cool. But at the same time, I think in terms of this episode, um, it's yeah, it's just sort of like how should man operate within nature? Yeah. And uh, what is how 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 are you respectful in nature while still having a good time? And how do you make right, memories in nature? Right. right. Um, yeah, I don't it, know. It it wraps up with that too when Arnold and Gerald kind of show like this is how you track, this is how you read moss, this is how you eat berries, yeah. which is what Grandpa showed them. Uh, there's a moment. So right when they find the camp site, they all are cheering. And then Arnold says, we might want to take this path though, because, and then Bob is like, no, it's right there. Let's just cut across the path. And then he gets poison oak all over him. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think it's subtle and I don't think Arnold is meaning it. It's, it's, it's a subtext of the writers. Maybe. Um, if the conversation is man versus nature, kind of like how much should man if, like, like uh, try to combat nature, like maybe not with a giant refrigerator. Right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not with a mister on your face, but path paths, not a bad part of like social growth and like yeah it just makes the experience greater yes yes and more people likely to participate in that thing right instead of like like cutting through the bush yeah, yeah. Also that, no one will be, do that like yeah, maybe four people yeah the people who first did it exactly they're the ones yeah yeah um I, yeah i think taking the path made by man isn't a bad that's not against nature that's actually yeah. enjoying nature even more the company that you silently called out at the very beginning of your bit there, um, the, the guy who started that company, his name is ben, Benji Wagner. He's a photographer, a good one, actually. And he did like a TED Talk thing about that this exact topic yeah, yeah. of like uh, what role does social media play within nature and yeah. promoting yeah, um, yeah, yeah. outdoor culture. <clears throat> and his thing was if if you have it's, – it's, it's neither good or bad. It depends on like who the person is using sure, it. Sure, sure. And if it promotes the conservation – of natural environments and, re- and uh, resources, then that's phenomenal. Yeah. And yeah. if it promotes people to go do those like healthy activities, then that's phenomenal as well. Yeah. But if you spend yeah. more time editing your photos on your phone while you're at Yosemite, you're blowing it essentially. Yep. 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 But, but, and he has a name for it. He trademarked the name, which is crazy, which is like something freeze. I, I should have looked it up. It just came, this came on mind a moment ago. But it's where basically you're just like frozen and stuck in your phone mm. and you're ignoring everything around you. And he talks about how it relates in, at home with him and his wife and blah, blah, blah. And it's fairly interesting, but it, it talks about this same exact topic. Yeah. So if you actually think that you want to hear that articulated better, find that Benji Wagner's yeah. uh, TED Talk. Yeah. And by the way, it sounded like I was crapping on that company. It's not. I'm I didn't even happy. say the name of the company. Yeah. <laughs> but you, but the name now, we could, you could look it up. Uh, throw me under the bus here. Uh, You're not the only person that's complained about their bags. But but I, I love I love the bag for a bunch of reasons. It's yeah. just I know that I if I wanted to like like mod like mod it to do be an overnight pack, it wouldn't really work very yeah. well. That's I, that's the yeah. issue. And I don't think that's what it was meant to do. No, it wasn't meant um, to that. It just looks like it was meant yeah. to do that. Yeah. 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 Um, the one other thing I want to say is uh, it's just this is more character development for Helga about her like obsession with Arnold. Um, one is that she said uh, uh, Arnold opens hidden doors to my heart, which is like another reference to her having a closet that's hidden away from the mm-hmm. world. Uh, that has Arnold's head in it. She's someone who who packs away her love for Arnold deep mm-hmm. inside her heart, heart doors that she can't even open herself. Arnold's mm-hmm. the one who like helps her understand herself better, which is cool and also weird and -hmm. obsessive. Um, And that's referenced. It's like a quick pass, but she's like, what am I, like, how am I going to get Arnold to, uh, hmm. 
Anyway, we'll wrap it up now. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Are we still recording? That's okay. Hey. You know what? Um, fuck, on um, playback, that's going to be so confusing, and I'm going to have to edit it out. Yeah, well, I'm going to start over. <laughs> Helga, there's a lot of really cool um, character development with Helga, and uh, the, like, so part of it is this thing with her and her heart. Um, she, said, she says the line, Arnold opens doors, hidden doors in my heart, which is a, you know, you could reference it to like, um, like like Freudian psychology or something like there's something there's the unconscious that even she can't open up mm-hmm. and for whatever reason Arnold can trigger that and that's like cool but also obsessive mm-hmm. and it references like her closet that she hides his you know his um, bust of gum in mm-hmm. um, this is like a theme in her life that she hides her love for Arnold away for no one else to see mm-hmm. um, but he's the one who can open those doors he, he helps her understand herself better yeah, obsessive and weird. But it, it's, it's referenced very quickly when she is like, what am I going to do to like get Arnold to see how much I love him on this trip? And then she bumps into a sign that says Ophelia's Overlook. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ophelia is Hamlet from Hamlet. And I did like some quick like review. I haven't read Hamlet in years. But basically, oh, uh, uh, Ophelia is, a, um, is kind of the love interest for Hamlet a little bit. But she loses her mind because she can't figure out if Hamlet loves her or hates her, uh, which is basically Helga. And she also has this weird relationship with her father. She's like, like sometimes she's trying to please him and other times she's trying to go against him. Um, and so in both cases, like it references Helga to an extent. So it's, I, I mean, it's, they could have picked any old like name and they picked Ophelia. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a, a nice little nod to like her Shakespearean um, totally. tendencies. Yeah. Uh, and even like, I, like grandpa mentions the word sonnet and then we see the word Ophelia, and then you hear Helga say a poem. Mm-hmm. Like all these, th- it's just nice subtext that probably has nothing to do with each other. Yeah. But it, it's a nice string that connects, connects the whole experience. Whole experience. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I think we've pretty well covered we, it. We covered it. That's right. Yeah. Again, please uh, rate and review us. Um, tell your friends. Uh, email us at hey dot hey Arnold hey at gmail.com mm-hmm. we have a website hairnoldhay.com um, yeah subscribe. let us know what you think let yeah. us know if you like it you hate it we don't care we want to hear about it yeah we're going to still record so yeah. uh, see you uh, see you next time thank you so much <laughs>